What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I have a very, very special guest today. A good friend of mine, uh, you know her from NBC Sports Philadelphia as the host of Sixers pre and post game live. Do we say halftime live too? Is that a thing? Do you include yeah, that? It's in a it? thing. Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> uh, and that would, of course, be the great Amy Fadul. Amy, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh my gosh. Anytime. It's always good to see you, my friend. Well, I know you really just came on because you got to meet my little guy, Miles. Miles. That's really Correct. the only reason you came on is because you figured you were going to get an introduction. So, but I don't, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. He's adorable. So I really don't blame he you. He is adorable. Uh, Thank you. Uh, but yeah, we have plenty to talk about with the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, the trade deadline is rapidly approaching mm. some good James Harden chatter, maybe a little bit of Bradley Beal chatter as well. Um, and maybe some Tyrese Maxey stuff, which, you know, you and I have an affinity for that young man. You for obvious reasons, as you're wearing your Kentucky gear, of course. And uh, yeah, so uh, I want to talk a little bit about the game against the Wizards, the loss. Mm. I don't want to dwell on it too much because it just I don't I'm sure your view is going to be similar but (laughs) yeah that and it's just like it just felt like one of those nights kind of a thing like I didn't take too much out of it as far as you know this you're gonna lose some games it's exactly 82 games you're gonna lose some and it just felt even from like the beginning it just felt like Mm -hmm. one of those weird games where it's just like all right maybe it's just not their night um, Joel Embiid looked mortal late in the game, yes. which he has not looked mortal for, I don't know, two months. Um, Tyrese Maxey was really the only guy that really gave them anything mm-hmm. offensively other than Joel Embiid last night. A lot of missed shots around the rim. And then conversely, Kyle Kuzma looked like, I don't know, who, he just couldn't friggin' miss. He looked like he looked like Clay Thompson last night. Mm-hmm. Um, everything he was throwing up. And then Harrell had a big run at the end, too. So it was just. To me, it was just one of those nights. I, I, it seems like you're on the same page with that. If there's anything else you wanted to add from that. Game. Yeah, no, I mean, in listening to obviously the players afterwards, Tyrese said, and he was just like, listen, we just, we didn't have the jump out of the gates. And, and, you know, we just, it was just one of those games and everybody's going to have one of those games, even really, 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 really good teams have one of those games. And I don't want to take the shine off anything that was gleaned from the Grizzlies win because they followed it up with the wizards. I mean, it's just like, all right, well, the, the wind streak was going to come to an end at some point. Was it, did it suck because it was the wizards and it was, you know, a, a team that didn't have their best player. Yeah. But would have been, you expected to lose the Grizzlies game without Joel Embiid and you expected to win that one. So if you told me that you were going to win, you know, four of the five at home, you probably would have been okay. But of course, green Philadelphia, we get greedy. <laughs> we want to have all the nice things because we're never allowed to have the nice things. So yeah, I totally get it. It was just, it was just a bummer of a game, but I didn't take too much away from it. It was just, you know, there were some double teams that I think some teams might look at, but as far as how they played Joel, but it was just one of those, like you said, they missed a bunch of bunnies. Like they're not going to do that every game. 
And Joel didn't have it kind of from the mid range. I think I even heard coach line yeah. talk about it last night. Like he yeah. just didn't, you know, that day, that game off probably threw off his rhythm a little bit. And you could see like that mid range just wasn't going. Like there were looks mm-hmm. that he hits almost every single night. They just weren't going down. So just the reality yeah. of an, like, again, an 82 games and 82 game season ebbs and flows. It happens. I will say a bright spot. Um, Isaiah Joe, the last two games has been really, really good. Absolutely. And me, yeah. And, and so to me, the question becomes, with Furkan Korkmaz, like it does feel like every year we do this thing where it's like, ah, maybe we should be looking at X player instead of Furkan Korkmaz. Then he goes out and goes nuts and scores like 30 points and doesn't miss a shot for like a week. But that really hasn't happened this year. Like he, it, it has sustained, he has been cold. So I know Isaiah is a little bit younger and a little bit more green, but to me, when I look at the fact that Isaiah is just shooting the basketball better and the fact that he's already a better defender than Korkmaz with all due respect mm-hmm. to Furkan, who's really worked on that part of the game and has improved. I still think Isaiah, just from an athletic standpoint, from a movement standpoint is already more advanced than Furcon. So, I mean, for you, Amy, when everyone gets back, cause obviously, you know, Seth didn't play uh, last night. Shake Milton is still out. Yeah. Furcon doesn't play. It, is, are we at a point where maybe Isaiah Joe just needs to get a little bit of a longer look here? Yeah. I mean, you and I know that Doc Rivers has been reticent to play younger players because Not of Doc Rivers get out of town. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey called and said, what about me? <laughs> um, and it's, that's just one of his things. And, and there's a certain MO behind it and I get it. Obviously, you know, sometimes the young players can't handle certain situations and whatever else, but we've seen a lot more of Isaiah Joe's game. I think he was a three point shooter. Great. We got that. But defensively, he's got a lot more in his bag. And a couple of games ago, he had some pretty sweet dunks. So you saw that he's got some pep in his step and he's got that. You mentioned it, the athleticism. There's one thing that this team does not have. It's athleticism and pace. You see that when they match up with like a Hornet squad or the Hawks, and you're just like, whoa, well, this team can really like go and jump out of the gym. And that's, there's nothing wrong with the way the Sixers play. They have one guy that does that with Tyrese Maxey as far as pace goes, but that's just not their style. When Ben Simmons is not at the point guard, that's not their style. Joel Embiid has got the ball in his hands. His usage rate has got to be like 70-something percent at this point. (laughs) But that's just a different style, and there's nothing wrong with it. But when they match up with teams that are more athletic, that do have a little bit more pace, they sometimes suffer, and they have to adjust. Isaiah Joe is a guy that gives them that. Um, And we saw how successful that second unit was last year when Maxie would come in. That second unit had a different feel than the first unit, and that's that's just how it was built. So you're seeing kind of the, the melding of the two. It would be nice if Isaiah Joe could be that guy for the second unit and come in and give them some, you know, 20 minute games, 18, 20, 22, when they really need a little extra energy and some good defense. I mean, there was games in this home winning streak that he was playing late in the games and defending some of the better players. That to me says that Doc Rivers is giving him an actual look rather than just like, I need somebody out there to fill until I can get my guys back out there. So I thought that was really interesting. And then you saw him early first quarter um, minutes, which I think those are the two telltale signs to me that, all right, they are giving him a good look and they do like him. They obviously like Charlie Brown too. Offensively, Charlie Brown doesn't give you what Isaiah Joe does. Charlie Brown gives you a lot of defense and he knows that's his role. And I think he's fine with it. He just wants to make it in the league. I think Joe is, is a good player. Um, you mentioned Furkan's just been cold like all year. He's had ebbs and flows, but this is just an ebb. There is just, there, yeah. and he's not coming back yet. Certainly not back to where he was. I mean, his three point percentage is way, way down and without his confidence. So um, I hate to say at the expense of one or the other, but yeah, to me, it would be Joe right now. 
Yeah. Uh, and you, you talk about Charlie Brown and it's, it's a shame he hasn't quite because he went down to the blue coats, I think for one game and hit like five threes. And it's like, Oh yeah. man, like if he could just bring a little bit of that over, um, I, I, I've been blown away by how good he is. Like he's in, he is mm-hmm. in already an above average NBA defender oh, yeah. right now. Um, and a disruptive one too, which is not necessarily the norm for such a young guy. So if he could just bring a little bit of that offensive game that he's shown in the blue coats, especially from a three point standpoint, if he could just stand there and hit an open three, that could help him immensely in getting more minutes. And two, talking about Isaiah, like the shooting, we, we already knew from his time in Arkansas, the, mm-hmm. the defense was really, even from last year as a rookie, I thought his defense was impressive. To me, what has kind of impressed me is that he can handle the ball a little bit more than I really mm-hmm. thought he could. Um, he never really did it at Arkansas. He certainly didn't do it last year as a rookie. He did it a little bit in the summer league, and some people were like, hey, he can do this. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I might want to pump the brakes on that, but – Last night in the second half, because Miles Powell, I just don't think he's in a place where he's ready to play NBA no. minutes as a point guard. In the second half, Isaiah Joe was kind of the de facto point guard for a minute because they didn't really have anybody. But I think he's shown that that he has developed that a little bit. So that's something that I think is pretty encouraging, too. Like, I think the Sixers got a pretty good young player mm-hmm. here. And I think maybe the time is now to give him a little bit of, of run, give him a little bit of experience and kind of see if he can flourish in that role. You actually, you mentioned something that I kind of found interesting when you're talking about pace and, you know, the fact that really their transition game offensively really has been non-existent without Ben mm-hmm. Simmons, but they have a guy in Tyrese Maxey who has to be one of the fastest guys in the entire NBA. Do you think that maybe because he's young, because he's playing with so many plotting older guys and because the team is rightfully run around Joel Embiid who, who flourishes in the half court, do you think that maybe he slows down when there's opportunities to, to maybe push the pace? Yeah. I mean, I think that he's, he is such a, a, a good student, meaning that when they tell him something, he really takes it to heart. So when they tell him, we need you to run it like this, or we need you to do this. I think he really works on that and really um, kind of just absorbs it all and tries to do that. I equate it to, you know, sometimes you're told too much stuff and then it's all going through your head and you're just thinking, Oh, I just want to do the right thing. He just needs, and we've seen it a, a lot more recently, where you just let it breathe. I remember when Joel was out with the COVID protocols, Maxi flourished. And then Joel came back in and was like, oh, Maxi just really like took five steps back. Then eventually started working his way back in. And now we're seeing it where they both on the court. And you're like, okay, we're seeing it in the last maybe like five, six, seven games where he's really shined. He, it took him, you know, probably a good month to get back to that. So I think he's still working through how to play his game in this game. I don't know that it's an exact, you know, complete, perfect marriage. I don't know what really is when you think about the game of basketball, you're putting all these pieces together and just hoping they work in some kind of way. But yeah, sometimes I, th- I mean, we've talked about it before. Mark Jackson's been great on it. The amount that he defers sometimes is frustrating because you're thinking, he's thinking, I would guess, and I don't know, get the ball to Joel. That's what everybody's thinking, honestly, when we're watching the game, get the ball to Joel. He's your best player, get the ball to Joel. And sometimes, we saw it in that Grizzlies game for sure, but we've seen it in games where they both shine. It's him too. Uh, the Kings game, he and Joel both showed that they can close that game and they had to because they really, I mean, at one point it was Joel and Maxi were the only people scoring points. Yeah. The Brooklyn so, game uh, is probably the biggest example. The, the Nets win in Brooklyn. One, there you go. Yeah. You know, he was just, it, and the Nets don't play with a super fast pace either. It's not like they're like running yeah. up and down the court. So I think for him, it's still a work in progress, but yeah, I think sometimes, you know, he wants to 
And that's the style he ran in college. Um, I know it was you know only one year, but that was the style he ran. Those all those guys, Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Hagens, uh, Tyrese Maxey, they're up and down the court constantly. I mean, you you look at IQ up in New York or whatever he's trying to do up there. Um, that's the style he runs as well. He's a three point shooter, so he'll stop and pop. But it's interesting that he's trying to kind of adapt. But I I do think it's probably in the forefront of his mind. Like sometimes I got to slow it down. Of course, he was really fast last night, so much so that Tobias didn't see him. And right in front of him, whatever. Uh, behind well, him. according to the doc, he that wasn't that pass wasn't open. Doc said that's what Doc I said. I mean, it, pass it wasn't, wasn't open. I, I've literally watched that play on slow mo like five <laughs> times. It was it was bang bang because my immediate things like call timeout. I was like, well, at that point, when he's out of control, he's already turning around the pass, and you can't call a timeout there because once you think about a timeout, the ball's in Joel's hands, and no one's calling a timeout with Joel. Yeah. the ball in his hands. But so there was like a one and a half second split where you could have called either a pass or a time it was just it was bang bang it was frustrating yeah. but to me yeah, it was I mean, either Maxie to me is it's a pass or a timeout that's it yeah exactly like either you make the pass to Maxie right away or once you yeah. cross half court you call a timeout because it clearly didn't have, like the reason you run in that situation is you try to get the defense off guard exactly. if you're catching you as you an can't offense pass backwards are not set up or are not ready, then that doesn't really help anything. Yeah. So yeah, pretty uh, but, sure the next practice or whatever they're gonna work on. Yeah, that. and it's a shame because Tobias had been playing really well, and he kind of oh, yeah. had, he's he had, had a great really stretch. second night. The uh, last, second half like, last night, six games, he's shooting like almost like fifty eight percent. So yeah, no, he's it been, was it was a tough one. He's, he's been, just had a rough night. No, yeah. To your point, like Maxi, I think his style it, it's and the team's gonna need to adapt to him as well. I mean, if he's their point guard, you need to start doing some adjustments your of your own. Yeah, uh, well, uh, what's blown my mind with, with maxi is I, I guess not necessarily I, i'm actually trying to figure out and i guess maybe you maybe it's a question i could pose to you is like what is more impressive or more surprising the fact that over the last i don't even know how many games it is at this point he's really piled up the assists and he's really seeing the floor really well and he's playing more like a traditional point guard at times mm. or the fact that he is a 40% shooter from three. And it's not just like, oh, he's wide open. Like he's taking step backs off the dribble, off screens. When people go under screen, like it's un like what to you, like what is kind of more surprising or, or like more impressive? The fact that he's kind of fit into this point guard role or the fact that he has now become like an above average three point shooter. Oh, it's the three point shooting um, to me. Like that's, he, he's obviously a guard. He was a combo guard in college. He was a combo guard coming out of college. Um, he wasn't asked to run the point because that wasn't his role. That was Ashton Higgins at Kentucky in their one year there. Uh, he wasn't asked to shoot the three because that was a manual. I mean, he's always been kind of like a guy that's filled whatever role you needed. And he's just been so good at that. But the three point shooting was this, the giant knock on him. That was what everybody said. That's why he fell out of the lottery. Because you looked at his skill set and you looked at the way he played in big games in college. And just his overall consistency, you're thinking this guy is definitely a lottery pick. There's just no way he falls out to 2021. 20, it's just, there's no way. I literally was, I remember thinking, you and I talked about it on that draft. Where it was like, there's no way. I'm like, Paul, I'm going to submit him as a 21st pick. And it's ridiculous. It's just because I like the kid so much. <laughs> That's literally it. I didn't even play for thing. him. I didn't really even like, like no when we did. did, I was doing like targets. And I didn't really have him because I thought nope. there was no, I thought the heat would, no be the, would be the team that would for yeah. sure. Like if, if no. he slips to the heat, there's no way. That, and you know what? If he would have gone to the heat, man, like think about how bad that was. Stop. Don't even think about it. Don't want to think about it. But honestly, he knew that was a knock. He's talked about it. He's talked about how much he's worked on his game. Um, and he shoots to improve by 10 percentage points is incredible. 
from one year to the on next. higher not usage. even a full year yeah higher usage exactly. and more attempts and like you said in that grizzlies game one point the defender is coming at him he steps back and hits it like who has that who had that he had no idea i had no idea that he had that that level of his game i mean if you listen to cal perry he says oh yeah i told you i don't know that cal <laughs> knew that he had the step back three um but for him to improve 10 percentage points is just incredible i mean the fact that he's showing him to be a real point guard i think is a real nice revelation especially the way that the Sixers season is, is shook out just because of their point guard situation. They can't have enough ball handlers right now because they don't have the one true point guard. Honestly, what is the one true point guard in the league anyway? I mean, it's Chris Paul and then there's a bunch of like hybrid guys out there, but um, yeah, I mean, their point guard is on the bench or I'm not even on the bench. He's not even in the arena, but he's somewhere for him to, yeah, he's, he's hanging out. <laughs> he's for him to, to develop that is a real nice wrinkle for them and a real bonus. But honestly, you can't have enough perimeter shooting with a guy like Joel Embiid. And the fact that he's raised his game in that level, 10 percentage points. I mean, and the shot looks great. So I, it's not like it's some kind of flukiness. And all of a sudden no. next year he's going to go back to 30 50 games. There's just no way we're, we're 51 games in, right? 51 games the in. Highest, I mean, that's highest minutes played. Like I, I feel pretty confident. This is, this is about right. Like he might regress a little bit here and there, but. I mean, I he's going to be, a, I think, above league average, which is what, like 37, 36 yeah, percent. Like so, yeah. yeah. But and, and it's, oh, I think it's good. you talk about that step back and like that's something like you're talking about. He didn't have that in college. There's not that many NBA cards that <laughs> like we, we talk about guys like James Harden, Bradley Beal. That would be such a great fit here. Um, and even to a lesser degree, a guy like a, like a Darius Garland, guys who can do stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like the fact that he can do that right now at 21 years old in a second NBA season, that like that literally could be the difference between him being like a pretty good player and possibly a star. Like, I don't think that's oh, yeah. crazy to say. Like yeah, Jimmy Lyman says he's a star. He's just I, like, every time I see him, he's like, he's a star. And he's a star. <laughs> <laughs> what about Charlie Brown? No, I'm kidding. Charlie. Um, I love that only because like, you know, my family's all from South Philly. It's like oh, my yes, mom, you know. my mom says that like, she never called anybody Charlie. It's Charlie. always Charlie. Charlie, Charlie and so. Charles. I, I talked to it. Charles the other day. <laughs> Love it. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with coach. I do. Yeah. I think he's going to be an he's absolute a, he's a star. special player. Yeah. And I, I think, I think he has a chance to be definitely an all-star caliber player. And I'm going to bring up something that actually Brian Brennan, uh, Sixers pre and post producer brought up on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good point when I really looked at the grand scale of um, the trade market and all that. And Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal and James Harden, where this all fits, but we are going to take a quick break. So more with Amy Fadul after this short break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back and we're going to talk a little bit of trade deadline because we have Ben Simmons here in Philadelphia and he's not playing. He is at in Morristown, apparently hanging out at his house there. That's on the market, but not sold. So he's hanging out there. Uh, Sometimes he's at the Sixers practice facility. Not sure what he's doing or sometimes he's at a gym in uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, apparently, Uh, which to me, that seems really inefficient. Like you live in Morristown. Why don't you yeah. just go to a gym in South Jersey? That seems like that sounds like tried Cherry Hill. Yeah, like Morris sounds like not super close to Philly. Anyway, uh, um, but yeah, we we were talking a little bit about Tyrese and and you know his progression and and where he's developed and you know that three point shot and how that's kind of a guy that when you're looking at the players that the Sixers could potentially be targeting, like Maxi is developing into that skill set, but he is 21 years old. He is in his second season, so you know, you'd like to have perhaps a little bit more of that to supplement mm-hmm. them. The big names out there that we hear, uh, James Harden, possibly in the offseason, possibly yeah. now because he's not happy with the situation with the Nets, had some really interesting comments um, after their loss to the Kings. If you guys didn't hear them, they're pretty inflammatory about the state mm-hmm. of the Brooklyn Nets right now. And then, of course, Bradley Beal, his situation and really the wizard situation. I don't know what the hell they're doing. I don't know why you would want to keep a guy that doesn't seem like he wants to be there. It doesn't really fit the timeline of a lot of your young players, but here we are. Uh, so I mentioned Brian Brandon, what he said on Twitter. And I thought he made the best point about the idea of trading for Bradley Beal. Like Maxie's not untouchable. I don't think really no Joel Embiid's untouchable yeah. and no one else is, but I, I would really struggle and I don't think I would do it if the Wizards came to me and said, okay, we'll give you Bradley Beal, but you have to give us Simmons and you have to give us Maxi. I'm telling them no. Like, Mm -hmm. because the point that Brian brought up was Darius Garland had basically the season that Maxi's having right now. Garland had basically the same exact season last year. Mm -hmm. And now this year, he's an all star. He's an all star. Yeah. So do you want to? do that with Maxi and, and give up on him a year early of becoming an all-star to get, don't get me wrong. I love Bradley Beal is like one of my, honestly, one of my favorite players in the league. I think he's awesome. I think what he does scoring on all three levels, how he could play with Embiid. I think some of the actions that, that, that he runs in Washington would work really well with some of the mm-hmm. ways that Seth Curry and Embiid are used. Um, so I, I already know, I'm not even going to ask you the question because I already know you would tell Washington to go somewhere with that, but um, but I guess, what is your, I guess, like, what is your threshold for that? Like for Brad, like if the wizards say, okay, um, we want Simmons and we want Maxi, you're going to tell them no, but like, what's your counter? Like, like what, what, like, what is the kind of limit you'll be willing to go to, to bring Bradley Beal into Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that I, I also like Bradley Beal. I mean, he's such a, a high level player. Um, and it's such mixed messaging down there in DC. I mean, he, he has previously said he does not want to go anywhere else. Um, he wants to sign there. They are the same team that gave giant contracts to Gilbert arenas and John wall, who stopped playing basketball essentially a year or two after those giant contracts. I mean, there's still John wall got $44 million. So I think they are reluctant to kind of go down that road again. And then that's put him at a second place and being like, all right, well, what do you guys want to, like, what do you, what is your idea? Is it to build around me or is it to build the team back up? Which is like, that's, he needs to have that conversation or somebody does with the wizards because they need to pick one. It can, you can't do both. Um, but I think that it's, 
it's one of those things that, gosh, it also goes to what the Sixers want to do. Do they want to win in the next year or two? Or do they want to build a consistent winner? That's a two different kind of mantras there because Beal gives you a great chance to win or at least get to the finals in the next year or two. Let's be honest. Like he would just really elevate this team. You've got not only a secondary scorer, but a guy that can take a game over. He can give you 30 any given night. Sixers don't have that unless your name's Joel Embiid. Really, let's be honest. They've got Maxi is great and he can get, he's not a 30 point scorer. It's just not him. Tobias is not, Tobias, you want him to be a 20 point scorer. To have a guy on your team like Bradley Beal that can give you 30 any given night is incredible. That's what teams are made of. But at the same time, I mean, Bradley Beal isn't 21 years old. And Joel Embiid, though he wants to play for 10 more years, is not going to be playing at this level for 10 more years. That's just not, unless he turns into LeBron, that's the only person I've ever seen play at the same level for like 15 well, straight years, which is Chris Paul. Chris Paul, he's such a weird guy. And it's yeah. not to get off the, but it's just like you, you forget about him. And then all of a sudden he shows up and whatever team he's on, they're instantly better. It's just by good. Like yeah. 30 wins. It's just incredible. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, there's, there's it's rarefied air. I'm not to say Joel can't play at a high level for 10 years, but he's I mean, MVP level is pretty crazy. So I don't think I would include both Ben Simmons and Tyrese Maxey. I just think it's too much of you're mortgaging the farm uh, just on the off chance that you can probably win. And there's no guarantees. So I think that you can find good players out there that could fit the bill in a way that would work without you sacrificing too much of your future in Tyrese now if they see that listen Tyrese is a great player and we really like him but we can find another guy like Tyrese then you make the deal because you need to capitalize on what Joel Embiid is doing the last two seasons to have another season go by and I'm not saying you're wasting it um but it's just one of those things that you want to go ahead and take its full advantage Everybody in that front office knows NBA championships don't grow on trees, right? You can't just like all of a sudden, oh, I think I'd like to have one of those. And then you take it off the tree and you put it in your pocket. They're very hard to win. And you have to have a complete team and you have to have great chemistry. They're getting there. They've got great chemistry. They've got a pretty complete team. What do they want to do? Do they want to have just the one more guy or do they want to have a few more guys? So it'll be interesting. I mean, I love Beal. I loved him three years ago. I loved him last year. I I'd certainly love him this year, even though he's not having a good season by his standards. He's still having a good season by any other standard. So I just think that he would pair very well. But I don't know that I would do it at the expense of Tyrese Maxey right now. That's not my philosophy. Now, my philosophy is like, let's build this team. So it's not like a one-off and all of a sudden in two years, you're back in the you know play-in game or something like that. I'm with you. And uh, the other thing, the other component to it is if the Wizards decide, which I mean, quite frankly, let's put this out there. Like both, like what are the each, what is, are both sides doing? Like what are the Wizards doing? Like you're going to, I don't think the Wizards know. That's a very good point. But like Brad, like you said, I mean, Bradley Beal's not old, but he's not young. He's 28 years old. Like he's, he's, he's entering post prime. He's more closer to post post prime than he is just entering his prime. Like, and he's, he's really good. He's like top. Mm-hmm. I would say what, like, tw- like maybe like like twenty ish, right? Like if you had to mark yeah. like fifteen to twenty range, best player in a league. That's not the guy who you allow to hold your franchise hostage. Mm-hmm. Like if Joel Embiid did something like this, okay, it's Joel Embiid. He might be the best player on the planet. You do what you got. Even in Portland, uh, like I, I don't necessarily agree with Dame, Portland doing yeah. it, but with Dame, I get it because Dame's like a borderline MVP player. 
Fair enough. Um, He's a franchise maker. Right. Like Bradley Beal is a really, really, really good player. But I don't see what Washington can do around him that can make them a championship team. Like, it, it would just make so much more sense for Beal to, to come to Philly, try to win with Joel Embiid, and for Washington to get a Ben Simmons, who is younger, under contract. Get some picks, get some picks probably in the mix. You can probably, like, I, I've seen some people suggest they can dump Bertons, it, it, you know, or dump. Dinwiddie, which I'm sure they could do. They could figure, yeah. I'm sure Darren Moore is a pretty creative fella. He could probably find a way to make all those puzzle pieces work and, and make it a four team ridiculous trade and have all that come to fruition. But yeah, I, I just, to me, I do not understand why the wizards want to keep Bradley Beal past the deadline and then, you know, either have him walk in free agency or have She's him sign, to. have him sign that super max. And then like a year from now, ask to get traded out. Like Ben the Simmons super is, max is, it's like two hundred and thirty-five million dollars, and that's see to me. That's why, like, I get it a little Ooh. bit more from Bradley Beal's standpoint because, like, let's—I mean, that's a yeah. lot of friggin' money. Ooh, so, like, I, I get, I get it much more from his standpoint of, oh, well, I can just sign a supermax, and in, in like a year, if things suck, I'll just, I'll just ask for a trade. Out. Like what Ben Simmons is doing, it's working out pretty yeah. well for him. Well, eh, working out well for yeah. him is probably yeah. debatable. He's gonna but, find a new team. <laughs> you, you brought up. And it's something that's obviously like the hotly debated part of this is the idea of quote unquote wasting a season of Joel and B. Like, so for you, if if February 10th comes and goes and Ben Simmons is gone, is not gone, Ben Simmons is still a sixer, and maybe Darren Warren makes another move that's like for a, a good, a good rotational player, let's say. Let's say that's the only deal they make. Um to you, is that uh, it, it? Does that fit the criteria? Like, are, are we at the point where that's wasting it, or do you think it's there could be a little bit of leeway given to Mori for at least up until the offseason to see if he actually can pull off the James Harden sign and trade yeah. or or the Dame Lillard trade or what have you? I think it's, I think Joel and B playing at an MVP level has certainly made them kind of recalculate. I think initially when Joe was playing well. Um, but struggled a little bit, and even when he was playing well, not like MVP, but like, hey, he's a really good player. He's having a really good year, and we need to get somebody else because, you know, our superstar with three really good players and two other stars would just be huge. Let's really try to work on like getting, you know, like a really good shooter, a knockdown three, and a three and D. You know, let's get all these pieces. Then all of a sudden, Joel just like took it to like a different stratosphere, and you're like, whoa, like this guy is not only the MVP, I and mean, you should just give him the award now. Like it's insane what they're doing with him. I think they looked and were like, well, maybe we don't need to get all these guys. Maybe we don't need to leverage everything for one another superstar to put him with Joel. So I don't, I, I don't want that to be fool's gold. That's my only thing um, that gives me a little bit of pause of like, listen, Joel is playing at a high level. He has to play at a high level because sometimes there's no one else playing out hmm. there, it seems like. So and that's not to say that they don't have good players but they don't have another like guy on his level. They don't have another guy that can give you 30 points and having a guy like Damian Lillard and a guy who I had no appreciation for until I really watched him, James Harden. Like, I don't think until I just thought he was just some clown that shot the ball all the time in OKC. I was like, this guy's ridiculous. Then he got with Houston and I was like, well, let's watch him. Oh, oh, 
Oh, he's at, okay. So he's actually very talented. Okay. So he's just not and some I, cowboy out there jacking I think up shot. What people don't realize too with James, like I shouldn't say like people that don't like you to your point, people that don't watch him all the time. He's an outstanding passer. Like he's one of the best passers in the league. He averages double digit assists. Like mm-hmm. he can be just a straight point guard when he needs to be. Like he's a excellent. Yeah, you're seeing that with the passer. Nets initially when KD was obviously healthy. He was, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, can he really not average 30? He can, but he's going to average 10 assists every single, you know, uh, game in the game out. But yeah, I mean, I think that if they don't make a move and I honestly, it just feels like they're not going to, and that's probably just the Philadelphia. You're just like, well, it's just how it's going to be. I think they will make something secondary. um, And that's just my feeling. It's there's nothing behind that currently. I think it could be enough the way that the East is stacked up. Um, You've seen some teams come back down to earth and the Sixers have really risen through the ranks. Now this next couple of games is really going to be a true test for them because they've got some high level teams that they're going up against. They're going on the road. They play very well on the road. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think that it's not going to be wasting it. And I, I don't know that I would have said that back at the end of December, early January. Like if you didn't get some superstar in here, you're just going to waste the seat. And I don't know that I thought that. I just don't want it to be all for naught. You know what I mean? I just don't want, no, I don't want to have you. another. I, I want to get past the second round. Is that so no. much to ask? No, it's not. It's not. And, it's been and 20 years. I, I feel like I don't want to say it's a waste if they don't move him. Especially right. I want to give more of the benefit of the doubt. If he's able to pull off some type of star trade in the offseason. To me, then it might have been. Then it all might have been worth it. If, if that mm-hmm. happens. If we are back here talking in. July and they just basically made a deal with the Kings and got like Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. That sucks. Like quite frankly, that, yeah, that's that's, no, I want that. that's that's not going to work out. But I'll, I'll say this, and I, to your other kind of point about they need rebounding. Um, they need a little bit more perimeter defense, I think, and they need they need some type of secondary ball handling. Yeah, if they can find a way to address those things without Ben Simmons trade and some other ways in Darren where he gets creative with picks or young, they have good young players that teams might look mm-hmm. at and like um, they have most of their draft picks other than the 2025 one going to Oklahoma city. If you can hit some of those things with guys, you're right. The East is pretty wide open. So maybe you can mm-hmm. sneak into the second round. And if Brooklyn, if Kyrie isn't playing for three or four games, maybe you sneak that series out. So it, 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 it's it, I, I'm I'm with you that I'm not going to go to the whole wasting thing. I don't think we are there. Yeah, but I um, think we're there. Yeah, Amy, I want to let you go. Thank you so much for coming on uh, today. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you got to so glad you got to meet baby Miles as well. Uh, Me too. <laughs> all right. I want to thank all of you guys for checking out the coming in for a landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. I am your host, Paul Hudrick, and I will talk to you next time. Cool. I know you got to get Shawnee. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.